Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good. Uh, we are in a series right now going verse by verse through the book of James. We'll be in James chapter 3 if you want to get there. Um, you can also download our app by, uh, by searching austinchapel.org forward slash app. And the app is called Bulletin Plus. You download that, you select Austin Chapel, and then the app from then on is the Austin Chapel app. What's cool is we're going to have that in the App Store soon as Austin Chapel, but right now, since it's on a trial, it's through the Bulletin Plus thing. You can check it out. We've got sermon notes on there where you can answer questions. You can follow on a little more closely, and we'll also have it on the screen if you don't want to do that. Um, well, we're going to be in James chapter 3, verse 13, if you want to get there, as I said. Um, let's go ahead and just pray real quick over this text and uh, the message today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every single one of these people who were able to come this morning. God, as, uh, as we come, as we acknowledge that your, your presence is here as your believers gather, Lord, Lord, I pray that your presence would be active, Lord, that we wouldn't be resistant to your Holy Spirit, God, that as we are diving into this text about the wisdom of God, Lord, I pray that you would truly make that wisdom visible to our hearts, Lord. That we would just press into your Holy Spirit and say, I'm open, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me, Lord? I pray that your Holy Spirit will teach a message to their hearts that my words are not able to preach, Lord. Because you can preach so much more deeply to someone's heart than my words can ever do. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit is active and that we're, we're open to it and that these words just come alive as we read them and and talk about them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been in this series uh, going through James, and the book of James is all about faith, and more specifically, the Christian life lived in faith. And then we come to this text now where we're going to be learning about the wisdom of God versus the wisdom from the world, or, or this worldly type of wisdom. And so he compares and contrasts them, and there is, it's a short text that we're going through, only five verses, but it is so um, packed full of good stuff that I couldn't like, expand it. I had to only focus one whole sermon on these few verses here. And so, as we're talking about the wisdom of God, um, I first want to ask you guys, why do you go to church? Why? Anybody? To learn? To be built up by other Christians? My friends are here. So, <laughs> to get donuts. Okay. All right. We need to talk, y'all. <laughs> there are two reasons I believe anybody walks into that door. Unless you're under 18 and your parents are forcing you to come, uh, there are two reasons you choose. To go to a church, right? Now, the other things are, are underlying reasons, but the two main reasons is, one, you either believe that there might be a God and you would like to see if you could know Him, or you know this God and you would like to get to know Him better. Those are the only two right reasons to walk into a church. If it's for a social reason, though that's a good reason, it's not the reason, because you can have a social club anywhere. You can have friends anywhere. If it's for donuts, you can have donuts anywhere, right? <laughs> and hey, the donuts are good. Thank you, Irene, for bringing them every week. It's awesome. Uh, but it's not the reason we should come, right? If it's for coffee, you could probably find better coffee at one of the hundred amazing coffee shops we have in Austin, right? 
Now, those are good reasons uh, of, of things we might enjoy, but they're not the reason we should come to church. One, either we are thinking there could be a God, and I'd like to see if there is, and if I could get to know Him, or I believe there is a God, and I want to grow in my relationship with Him, right? And I would argue that the only way we can grow and get to know God is through the wisdom of God. And we'll, we'll go through that more clearly. Um, now, you think of wisdom oftentimes as like, once I'm 80... You know, I'll be able to be wise. I'll be that old, wise man that people want to listen to, right? There's a rocking chair for some reason behind this curtain. Uh, it's never been here before. I don't know if they're using it for a skit or something. I was kind of joking around beforehand that I should get that rocking chair out here, and I should have dressed up like an old man, and I should uh, We're talking about wisdom today, you know, and done a whole little skit since we're in an improv comedy theater, but... The thing is, wisdom isn't just for the old, though the older you get, oftentimes the more wise you can be, but the wisdom is really something that is given to us from God, and we receive it, and we live in it, and we walk in it. So you can be wise from the ver- very first moment that you hear about the cross, and you believe in the cross. That's wisdom of God which gives us the peace of God to mend the broken relationship between humanity and, and, and Christ. And so that's the wisdom of God being imparted to us through the message of the gospel. And when we believe it, receive it, and live in it, we are now entering into really the first part of your heavenly, wise life. Does that make sense? This wisdom of God that we can walk in, this spiritual wisdom begins with the cross. It begins with us accepting and receiving the gospel. But... We can also grow in it. As we grow in our relationship with God, we grow in our wisdom that He gives to us. We grow in the wisdom He can give to us. So it doesn't just mean that we're smarter, that we, we learn to how to react to things in a more practical, everyday way. That's not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is more about a spiritual understanding of life. It's not, I can better make decisions about day-to-day situations. Though the wisdom of God does help you in your everyday situations, the wisdom of God is about the spiritual understanding of your life. The wisdom of God isn't just about deciding if it's a wise choice to buy this used car or not. Right? Now the wisdom of God can't guide you in that, but the wisdom of God makes you understand money in a new way. It makes you understand your possessions in a new way. It's an outside um, knowledge that you're receiving from above. It's the wisdom from above, the heavenly wisdom, the Bible calls it. And then he's going to contrast it to wisdom that is from this world. Because there are things that are, are worldly or, or in an unspiritual sense, wise, they may seem right, they may seem good, and we can lean on those things, but he's going to show us how they differ between spiritual wisdom and everyday kind of worldly wisdom. And there is a lot that we can learn. And so, why do we come to church? We come to church to get to know God better. And the more we receive His wisdom, the better we will get to know Him and feel like we're in true relationship with Him. Let's look here at verse 13. The first thing he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? You want to stand up? Who's wise and understanding? Raise your hand. (laughs) Just kidding. It's a question. And then he says, By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. This first verse is, is, is packed with things we can learn from. The first thing is, Who is wise and understanding among you? It's both a challenge and an invitation. Right? It's a challenge like, Hey, Are you wise? He's challenging you. Do you perceive yourself as wise and why? 
Right? It's a challenge, but it's also an invitation because James in chapter 1 had already said, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and, and believe without doubting and know that you will receive it because he gives it generously. So he's saying, who is wise among you? Who's asking for this wisdom and who's, who's receiving this window, wisdom? It's a challenge, but it's also an invitation. Are you being wise? If not, ask for that wisdom. Dive into that wisdom. We should be wise. And then he says, Verse 13, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. We see two more things here about wisdom. He says that wisdom has good conduct that almost proves it, right? There's a fruit. There are works that come along with wisdom. Wisdom is not simply knowing the right situation or or understanding the situation correctly or having a certain amount of knowledge, it's about putting it into practice. Knowing isn't enough. That's knowledge. Wisdom is knowing and acting and reacting to that knowledge and moving forward in the wisdom of God. So it's, there is, there's good conduct, there's good fruit, there are works that are done in wisdom. In Matthew 7, 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You see, he says, those who hear but also put them into practice, those are the wise ones. Simply hearing and acknowledging it as a fact isn't good enough. That's just knowledge. Wisdom is knowing and putting it into action. Acting in the wisdom of God. And making our decisions because of the wisdom of God. Not just simply knowing what's right, but acting accordingly. The second thing he tells us is that in the meekness of wisdom. Wisdom has a personality. And this is really important to understand here in this first verse as we jump into the next part where he compares it to worldly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom has a personality and that personality is humility. The wisdom of God is always accompanied by the humility of humanity. Our humility allows us to walk in the wisdom of God. Without it, if we're arrogant, if we're prideful, if we're cocky, we can't walk in the wisdom of God. Maybe you can acknowledge it's true, but you can't walk in it because it takes humility to walk in the wisdom of God. So so pride or arrogance is actually the enemy of heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom is always accompanied by, you could even say, has a personality of humility, of meekness. Now, knowing that wisdom has this humility, you know, it says, uh, wisdom instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. That's in Proverbs. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. There is an humility in receiving the wisdom of God. It's saying, I don't know, he does know, I'm going to go to him because of that. I'm going to admit that I have nothing without him. That's the message of the gospel, right? That you are broken, sinful, and not deserving of eternal life with him. But because of going to him, the work that he did, you're able to receive it and have eternal life. That's wise, but it's also humble. And it begins there at the cross, but throughout our whole life, it's submitting, saying, I don't know, God. Show me. Reveal to me. Lead me. And then he's going to contrast this now. Verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish 
ambition in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. So he's kind of, again, challenging the question, who has wisdom? Who among you is wise? Well, he says, but if you have bitter jealousy, so he's saying, if you answered yes to that question, I am wise. And then he says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Do not say you are wise if you have selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. So where jealousy here is speaking more of the tone of envy. A bitter sort of envious heart or a selfish ambition where you want your way. You're going to make decisions that are best for you and you alone. This selfish ambition or you're envious of others and you want what they have and you're making your life decisions based on selfish ambition or bitter envy, then you are not wise, he says. He says that you are actually boasting and you are lying in a sense about the wisdom that you claim to have. So that's not wisdom. That's a worldly sort of wisdom, but is not the wisdom of God if you have envy and selfish ambition. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Now, these aren't three different types of wisdom. He's not saying there's an earthly wisdom, there's an unspiritual wisdom, and there's a demonic wisdom. These are three definitions of this wisdom. That it is earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. And I kind of see it this way. Let's let's say you see a really bad movie, and somebody's like, how's that movie? And you're like, it was was bad. And they're like, really? I thought it was going to be good. And you're like, no, it was really, really bad. Really? It was the worst movie I've ever seen, right? You know how you like start, it's like, bad? No, it was really bad. No, it's the worst ever, Okay. That's what he does here. When he's saying this bitter envy, this selfish ambition sort of wisdom where it's all about you, he's saying that's actually earthly. He's like, wait, you know what? Actually, earthly is not a strong enough word here. It's unspiritual. It's not of God. Actually, it's so not of God that it's demonic. It's satanic. It's completely separate from him. He's saying it's bad, awful, and terrible. This spiritual um, wisdom is that of humility, not of bitter envy and selfish ambition. So he's saying it's actually earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic when we have bitter envy and selfish ambition. You know, it says in uh, Corinthians 3, it says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. Corinthians tells us that if we're wise in the standards of this age, if we have this worldly, this unspiritual, this demonic wisdom, we should actually choose to be fools in humility, saying, I'm a fool, I know nothing, I'm, I'm nothing in comparison to God, so that you can be wise in your humility, coming to God and receiving heavenly wisdom. Verse 16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. God loves order in the church. He loves a good, healthy, Christ-centered order to things. He's laid it out in Scripture what the church should look like, how we should operate, how we should treat each other. All these things are given to us so that we can operate in the order that God has given us. And he says that spiritual wisdom gives us 
the ability to operate in the order and the ways that God would have us operate, whereas worldly wisdom causes disorder in the church, division in the church, breaks churches apart. But he wants us to have this order instead of disorder. And he says every vile practice. Well, think about it. If you've got bitter envy and selfish ambition, what comes after that is other sins to help you get what you want. And this happens in the church. People want position or or something like that, and so they use their selfish ambition and they're envious, and they, along with that, comes other sins to help them get what they want. Lying, right? Gossip, uh, slandering, whatever they need to do to get what they need, they will end up doing. So this sort of worldly demonic wisdom actually brings about a whole lot of other sins in the church. And he's saying, that shouldn't be so. Instead, we should have this heavenly wisdom. In Ephesians 5, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. I love this verse, because what it tells us is that there is this worldly wisdom, and there is this um, sin that is every day trying to get you. Every day, the world Specifically, Satan and the enemy, they want to take you down. He says the days are evil, right? Time isn't on our side when we're in the flesh. <laughs> like, there are so many things that will consume our time. They will pull us away from the wisdom of God. And we can so easily give in to that. But he says, be very careful instead that you are not unwise, but are Wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In our life, we can make the most of every situation if we submit and receive the wisdom of God every day, every moment. There is a worldly way to act and there is a spiritual way to act. Every moment, in every opportunity, we have a decision to make. It's actually kind of stressful, isn't it? <laughs> Every moment I can be making a decision that's either spiritually wise or wise in my own kind of selfish view of things. Wise in my opinion versus wise in God's opinion. So obviously we want to know how to become more wise, don't we? More spiritually wise, more heavenly wise. We don't do that by thinking more, right? Right? Like, I need to set my opinions clear. And I need to make sure that everyone knows my opinions on everything so that they know that I'm wise. That's not the solution. The solution is actually a consistent and continual submission to God, to the Holy Spirit, asking Him, Lord, I lack wisdom. Give it to me. You're a generous God who wants me to know the right way to act and walk in this day. In this situation, in this conversation, help me. It's a continual and consistent submitting to the wisdom of God. And we do that by walking in the Spirit. Acknowledging how weak we are, how we have nothing to offer, but He has everything to offer. You know, in in our prayer requests, this is something the Lord's been teaching me. I should not pray and ask God of things because... I think I'm deserving of them. 
hey, God, would you just do this? Because I, I, you know, I've been working hard. I've been doing this. Lord, would you please just, would you give it to me? I feel like I've earned it. You, you don't. You don't earn it. It's grace and only grace. Since the moment you were born, every breath you have taken has been in the grace of God. Because the penalty for sin is death. So every breath you have taken is a, is a breath full of the grace of God. You don't deserve anything. You can't earn anything. Even in our day-to-day lives. I'm not just talking about salvation, though that's the most important. But in everything, we don't deserve any good gift He gives us. We don't ask Him for good gifts. We don't ask Him to bless a situation based upon our merit or our goodness or our hard work. We ask Him to answer us based upon His grace. I have nothing. I have nothing to offer you. I never have. But would you just bless me more because you love me? Because you're a good father? Because even though I'm a sinner, you still sent your son to die for me and you want what's best for me? And every moment we can can lean in and say, it's not because of me that I can have anything. It's not because of me that I can be wise. It's only because of Christ. It's only through the work of the cross. It's only through the grace that God gives freely. To those who receive. And so when we're, we're going through our lives and we want to act wise, it's not something we earn. It's something we receive and that we draw near to Him to receive. Let's look here. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above. See that? It's from above. It's not from within you. Okay? It's from above. It's a heavenly wisdom that is imparted to you. But the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So he says there's this evil wisdom that is selfish and envious, but there's this heavenly wisdom, and how do you know if it's heavenly wisdom? Well, he tells us right here. There's a whole series of things he says to look at. So in every situation, right, this is a a huge spectrum for all of us, there may be something you're praying about. There may be something you're trying to decide. Maybe there's something you're asking for God's guidance on. This is how you know if you're walking in the right way, if you're taking the right path, if you're making the right decision. Look at these things. Because God always imparts His wisdom, and they always, His wisdom always looks like this. It's first pure. The word for pure has the idea of unmixed, pure water. That means that it's not mixed with anything else. That's the idea it carries here first. So it's first pure. It's not mixed with worldly wisdom. It's not mixed with sin. It is pure. It is 100% pure wisdom from God. That sounds awesome. That's what I want, right? I'm tired of making my own decisions. Anybody else there? I'm tired of thinking I know what's best and then screwing things up. Anybody else? I want pure. I don't want any of me in this wisdom. I don't want any of my opinions. I want the wisdom of God. I want it to be pure. And we should want it to be pure. So it is pure. This pure wisdom from God. Then he says that it's peaceable. That means that the wisdom of God is always creating peace. It's peaceable. It's never causing division. Right? The Bible tells us to live peaceably among people so far as we are able. 
Right? Now, there are obviously situations where you do everything you can to cause peace, to create peace, but the other party will have nothing to do with it, right? So that means that you're still operating in wisdom where everything you were doing was striving for peace, but maybe because of the sin of the other person or the, the other uh, party, right? There is an inability to have peace because they're not receiving the same wisdom that you are. That's possible. So it's not going to say that it's a guarantee for peace because sin still exists in this world, but it is always pursuing peace and has the goal of creating peace. So it's pure, it's not mixed with anything else, and it's peaceable. It is always pursuing peace and causing peace. And then it's gentle. This one's important. If you think you're wise, and you, have, you think your opinion is right, right? A good way to tell if it's truly the wisdom of God or some worldly wisdom is if you go, Hey, no, listen up, morons. <laughs> right? If, you're, if that's your attitude, it probably isn't the wisdom of God. Okay? Because it's always gentle. It's gentle. It's humble. It's loving. It's not, hey, you bunch of idiots, listen up. I have the right answer. Everyone needs to listen to me right now. Okay, that's not a gentle wisdom from God. That's a selfish kind of ambition, sort of make me look good sort of wisdom that's from this world. So it says it's gentle. Then it's open to reason. So this isn't something that you just blindly have to believe. The wisdom of God, when you think through it, proves itself to reason. It's reasonable. It's not crazy, even though if it seems that way, when you think through it, the wisdom of God is always open to reason. It's reasonable. It makes logical sense. It's full of mercy. And you notice he starts pointing back to things he's already talked about. Full of mercy. Remember he already talked about how mercy triumphs over judgment. Wisdom is always full of mercy, not judgment. It's always full of giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's always full of forgiving people instead of condemning them. The wisdom of God is always full of mercy. Always full of mercy. And then he says... And good fruits. This is similar to faith. We, we learned about it two weeks ago. Faith without works is what? Dead. Wisdom without good fruits is not the wisdom of God. It always produces good fruits. And it's impartial. Remember we had a whole message in chapter 2 about being impartial. Or was that chapter 1? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, sorry. Impartial, not judging people based upon their appearance. Not saying, I like this, anybody who's not like me is, is out. I'm going to judge them for being different than me. It's impartial, it treats all fairly. Wisdom is impartial. And it's sincere. This is really important because the wisdom of this world is not sincere. You may say something that seems nice, but really you're just trying to get what you want. The wisdom of the world is always about you. It's always about your ambition, about the things that you're envious of, that you want, that you want to get. But the wisdom of God is sincere. But with that humility, it's sincere. You truly do want what's best for people when you're, when you're speaking in the wisdom of God. You're sincere. So he tells us all these things here about wisdom. You know, as we're looking at this, if we would come to this verse, verse 17 of chapter 3 of the book of James and just 
take these things and compare them to the decisions we're trying to make? Is it pure? Is it peaceable? Is it gentle? Is it open to reason? Is it full of mercy and good fruits? Is it impartial and is it sincere? You want to know if God is leading you in a way, ask these questions. See how that open door looks, right? Not every open door is from God. Right? We're always like, Lord, I just pray for an open door. Well, I understand that, but not every open door is from God. I know people right now, they've got like five open doors. <laughs> right? Which one's from God? I would take him to the verse and pray through this. Truly pray about their own heart. The, the person you lie to the most is yourself. Because you talk to yourself all day long. And you can lie to yourself all day long. And when we're honest and humble and we say, what is my heart really getting at here? Is this about me? Is this about my pride? Or is this really something that I can be humble and truly listen to God on? You know? If we're honest with ourselves, which actually is really hard, we can start to see the wisdom of God and His plan unfolding. You know, let me just tell you guys a little story. Um, There was a time where I was helping out, uh, not this church plant, not the one before, the one before that, okay? I've had the honor of helping out a lot of churches start, and uh, I was helping out at one, and I, for some reason, you know, I was, I was in a good position there, I mean, I was on the leadership, I was getting to teach, all of that, but I had this, like, kind of, like, man, I went to Bible college, I should be in full-time ministry, I feel like I deserve to be in full-time ministry by now, you know, I had friends who got out of Bible college, immediately got jobs in ministry, and I, here I am painting, and then, like, still working, and I'm trying to do ministry too, right, and I remember just kind of being, like, a little bit envious, to be honest, of friends who got to be in full-time ministry. And so, and I was like, you know, I've always wanted to do youth, and there's no youth at this church. Maybe I need to start looking for a youth pastor job. Okay, and this is what I'm talking about, but not every open door is from God. So I started thinking these things, and honestly, it was from a selfish, like, I deserve to be in full-time ministry, okay? And I got offered a job out of the blue, right? I could very easily have seen that as an open door. God's answering my prayer. I got a full-time Position offered to me up in Leander. Randomly. Was not looking for it. Okay? We went and visited the church. Church was fine. Um, it's honestly a church I would never go to if I could choose though. Mm-hmm. Right? And as I was praying about it, I was like, I would never go to this church. There's nothing wrong with the church. I'm not trying to speak bad about them. But it was not the type of church I would ever choose for things that I just believe about church. Okay? Honestly, again, nothing wrong, just not my preferences. I would never choose it. The only reason I would would be for a paycheck and the fact that I didn't have to pay anymore. Right? And as I prayed about that, I really felt like it was not the right fit for me. When I was open, honest, and real with myself, I was like, the only reason I would take it is so I could finally say I was in full-time ministry. That open door, I do not believe was from God. I do not believe it was from God. A year later, we planted another church, and I was able to do youth ministry. I believe that heart to do ministry at that time was from God. And I got to do youth ministry. Unpaid. <laughs> but we like, got to see God do so much cool stuff that I would not have seen just if I had taken that other job. And then that church raised me up and was able to send us out to plant this church. Isn't that cool? Okay, if I, had been, uh, if I had been envious of my friends who got to be in full-time ministry immediately, 
and I had taken my selfish ambition and just tried to make a way for myself, I believe I would have gone down a path that probably would not have been of the Lord. And I don't know what would have happened. I'm playing hypotheticals here. But I honestly believe that God has taken me down a different path. I still am not paid by a church. <laughs> okay? But I'm over it. <laughs> right? If this church grows and if there's a demand for me to be in full-time ministry, I will consider it then. But my heart truly in, in, for ministry is that I'll do what's ever best for the church. Right now, there isn't even enough money. And for me to go and raise support and all this stuff, it would just be crazy. It would be too much work, too much of my time to raise support. It's just not an option for me. So working is what the Lord has for me right now. And if this church grows and there's a point where so much of my time is demanded and the church can afford it where it's not a burden on any other ministry in the church, then I will go to full time. Okay? I'm expressing my heart here, not to brag, but to say, when I'm honest with myself and say, you're just a selfish person who's envious of some of your Bible college friends who got full-time ministry jobs before you did, (laughs) and I was able to just confess that to the Lord, He was able to give me some wisdom and teach me what His role, or, or sorry, what His plan was for my life. And it's not the same as everybody else. And so when we're praying to God, we need to have the humility and the openness with Him to say, Lord, show me where my heart really is. And what we want isn't always what's best for us. And the more we really want what's God's plan, the more our heart changes. Now where I honestly, I would not want to be in full-time ministry right now. You know? I didn't plan on sharing any of that. Uh... So, we can go to this verse, look over it, and ask God to show us, is this decision, is this path, is this open door the right decision? And when we're humble, He will show us. Let's read this last verse here, verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. He makes a big deal. He said earlier, peaceable, and now he's saying that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The wisdom of God is all about peace. As I said before, the cross is a perfect example of God's wisdom. And it's a perfect example of how God's wisdom creates peace. We, because of the sinful nature we're born into, are born as enemies of God. Because God hates sin. The Bible is incredibly clear about that. He hates sin. And we're born as sinners. Sin must be punished. But God, through His loving nature, sent His only Son to die on the cross so that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. So it's through the cross that we have peace with God. And it's through the cross that we have true peace with others. We can have a sense of peace in this world, but we don't know each other's motives. Over time, things can always split apart. But in humility in the church, through the power of the cross, through the grace that He gives, through the wisdom He imparts to us, we can have peace with each other. The cross has made it all possible. It's the wisest thing God has ever given us. And it is the wisest thing for us to receive it. And spiritual wisdom all really begins and centers as 
as does everything else in Scripture around the cross. Everything is about the cross. Everything. It all points to the cross or points back to the cross. The Old Testament, picture after picture after picture, symbol after symbol after symbol of the cross. In the New Testament, everything we do, we do in light of the cross. To give glory to the cross. It's all about the cross and the wisdom of God similarly is all about the cross. And the amazing thing is that we have peace because of it. And then this, is, this part is awesome. 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. How many of you would love to see a harvest of righteousness in your life, in this church, in this city? Raise your hand. I want to see a harvest of righteousness in my life. I want to see more and more righteousness in my life. I want to see more and more righteousness in this church and in our city. How is it done? It's done when we are out there making peace in the wisdom of God. There are so many people who are at conflict with this world. They're at conflict with God. They're at conflict with themselves. And we have the ability as God's ambassadors, as Christ's ambassadors to this world, to go out there and help people make peace. And that righteousness comes out of peace. Just think for a moment, the people you know, who maybe you judge, there is so much conflict in their heart. The people that are just, for whatever reason, doing stuff, you're just like, what are you doing? Oftentimes they're at conflict with themselves. They're not okay with who they are. They're constantly fighting. They feel terrible. Or they're at conflict with people they're close to and they're reacting in this way because of that conflict. Or they're at conflict with God where they don't understand how God's love works. They don't understand if God loves them. They don't understand how the cross works. They're at conflict. And we can be peacemakers who go out there in the wisdom of God helping people be at peace with God, be at peace with others, and be at peace with themselves. You know, there is so much power in peace. Emotional peace, spiritual peace, peace with your church, at peace with your city. I mean, so much of the time when we're, we're feeling anxiety, when we're feeling fear, when we feel all these different things, we are feeling that way because of a conflict somewhere in there. And the gospel, the wisdom of God brings about peace. You know, as we're trying to hear the voice of the Lord, is this, is this the right decision or not? Compare it to these things. Is it pure? Is it, is it peaceable? Is it gentle? Is it all these? But at the same time, does it give you peace? Do you have a peace about it? I mean, it sounds like one of the most generic Christian things. Why did you do that? I just felt at peace about it. But if they're, if they're really being honest and they, they went here and they said, you know what, this thing is pure, it's gentle, it, it's not of selfish ambition, it's not envious, and it, I just feel at peace, then you know it's the voice of the Lord guiding you. I mean, I have seen a lot of things where I think it's the right decision. And I just for some reason can't get myself to commit to that decision, right? I don't have peace about it. Has anybody felt that? The wisdom of God allows us in humility to have peace 
And as we're wondering, what direction should I go with my life? What job should I take? Pray about it. Compare it to the wisdom of God, compare it to the wisdom of this world, but then do you feel at peace about it? Because not every open door is from God. Not every open door is from God. But the one that is pure in all these things, and it gives you a sense of peace, I would bet that's probably the Lord leading you. Because that's one of the things I get asked the most as a pastor, is how do you know when God's talking to you? Right? How do I know when God's talking to me? And sometimes I go, I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, it's hard to explain. It isn't this voice in your head telling you what to do. I, found, I find a lot of times when I, it sounds like a voice, it's my voice. And I have to shut that voice up. Right? We all have voices in our head. We're not crazy. Well, maybe we are. <laughs> maybe we are. Uh, but we all have these voices saying, you should do this. You should do that. This is a good thing. You should go there. You can hear this voice. And sometimes we try to ascribe that to God. But that can be God's leading. But oftentimes it should be accompanied by this sense of peace. It's a supernatural calmness in your spirit and you know that is i can't deny it that's from god that's the lord leading me my grandpa who by the way i'm really excited to announce will be preaching here in two weeks yeah he's awesome okay 50 years in missions okay 50 plus i think at this point how mom how's how old is grandpa he was just in india okay 74 and he's still trekking around the world there's so much we can learn. I was like, Grandpa, I want you to teach about just steadfastness in the ministry. And he said, I'm going to teach about the fundamentals of Christianity then. He's like, because it is the very, very basics. And I'm so excited to have him preach. But anyways, my grandpa says, okay, here back. My grandpa says that when you, when you hear from God, it's undeniable. It's not an audible voice oftentimes for us from the sky, but there is a sense about it where you do, I can't deny that this is from God because there's a supernatural peace that comes with it. If you're still like, I don't know, just wait. Maybe you need to go and just pray and meditate on scripture and just wait and, and don't make a decision until you feel that peace that comes with it. The wisdom of God can guide our entire lives if we're willing to wait for it. You know, for willing to wait and take the time to breathe, pray, look at Scripture, ask for that peace, test our own motives. The Lord can guide you in amazing ways. In ways that when you look back at it, you won't be saying, I made the wrong decision. Or am I in the right decision? I don't know. But you'll go, I just couldn't deny at that time this supernatural peace the Lord gave me. And I know that I'm, in, I'm walking in the way He wants me to walk. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this text, Lord. As we all want to be more wise, as we want to know your will for our lives, as we want to hear your voice and know that you're guiding us, Lord, help us be honest with ourselves. Help us be repentant, Lord. Show us our sin, the sin that we don't even know is there because it's so deeply engraved to our personality and our preferences Lord help us repent of it help us be completely honest with who we are and say Lord help me I repent guide me 
Your way, not my way, Lord. Your will be done, not mine. Lord, I pray that as each one of us are asking for wisdom in different scenarios, in different situations in our lives right now, that we would believe, as you said in James 1, that when we, be- that when we don't doubt your loving goodness and the fact that you want to give us wisdom, when we don't doubt that, you give it generously, Lord. Help us not doubt. If there's any doubt, let us confess it and say, Lord, I'm doubting. Help me. I want to hear your voice and I want to know that you're going to answer. That you're going to impart your wisdom to me. Help us believe, help us repent, and help us submit to your wisdom, Lord. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if we're like, ah, that's not what I was hoping for. Lord, help us be real and honest with you and so you can guide us. In Jesus' name we pray.